0: chili supper that is happening, um, some interesting things are going to be involved with that. The owner of Omelettes, etc., down here on um, uh, Interquest, they, they're, they think they have the best green chili anywhere. In fact, their t-shirts say that at the restaurant. And so they are going to bring some green chili to our chili cook-off to see uh, how it matches up. I don't think that's the way they see it, but, but um, that's the way I see it. Because that's a pretty bold statement. Best green chili in the world is what the t-shirts say. And uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> so then we also have, that he connected us with a guy that um, is a, I don't know exactly what this means, but this is the way it was told me. He is a professional chili uh, judge. Uh, lives in denver and he's going to come down and help judge our chili cook-off so i hope that doesn't make you nervous i hope it's like well all right i'll show this guy that's what i want to see that's what i want to see from. that's who we are is oh yeah okay challenge accepted that's who we are as a church so um but i'm excited about it i'm excited because i like chili every year i make a pot of chili and um And after I taste everybody's, I realize mine really is the best, and then nobody else sees it that way. So I ran across this statistic this week. This is from Probe Ministries, and uh, they did a survey. There's a a bunch of stuff in the survey, but it says nearly 70% of born-again Christians, people that are, are professing Christians, they say they have accepted Jesus as their Savior, that they, uh, nearly 70%, disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God. And um, guys, that's not, <clears throat> that's not okay. We can't, that's not a compromising thing. Uh, there is only one way to, Jesus, uh, to God and that's through Jesus Christ. And we have to make sure that that is, that is foundational. Um, if, if that's not the truth, then the word of God is wrong. Jesus was a liar. There's a lot of things. Everything collapses at that point. Interesting though, as I read down through this survey, I did find later where um, over 60% of Christians believe That they should be witnessing to people and and or have been witnessing to somebody um, In in a conversion mentality Which which really kind of doesn't make sense If you believe if you don't believe that Jesus is the only way to God Why would you really tell people about Jesus I don't, I don't understand that. But at least they're doing that. So I don't know, I don't know how that fits. I really don't. But it is, it is alarming to me that that many people that are professing to be Christians don't believe Jesus is the only way. there are certain things that 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 define us, and that's the biggest. That really is the biggest. That Jesus is God in human flesh, and He is the only way to the Father. We have to make sure that we stay consistent with some of these things. So, looking at a lot of stuff that's been happening. And uh, staying consistent with what I've been talking about the last few months, quite a few months, is the idea that, w- that you and I have to take responsibility for the kingdom. Uh, for a long time in America, there's been guys like me, professional um, ministers, occupational ministers, that it's, it's kind of seen as my responsibility to take, uh, take the responsibility for the kingdom and that, um, that everybody else can kind of just you know show up or do some things or maybe attend church or maybe do a little ministry every now and then kind of thing. Guys, And that, is, that's, that has been crippling the church in America for a long time. We have to take responsibility. Every one of us has to take responsibility for the kingdom. We are the body of Christ, and the body, all of us together, are responsible for the kingdom of God. And so with that, our, <clears throat> I was thinking about a lot of the stuff that is going on the, the deal with the mandates is a is a big deal right we've we 've talked about that that this the, the vaccine is not the big deal uh, i 'm not in favor of it, but the vaccine's not the issue uh, f- for the population it 's being mandated and uh, we 've had people that have lost their jobs many of you have put in religious exemption letters things like that um, there are um, there are some that are, you know, anybody that's working with the government. I think December eighth is the deadline. You know, you're kind of on the chopping block at that particular point. Uh, but but here's something that I, I just keep saying is that if you just stand, just stand up, stand strong, I think you can win this. Um, whatever arena you're in, you can win that if you sin. I started this back when a year and a half ago when they started with the um, with the with the quarantines and everything else. If we would all just stand up and say, "No, you can't do that to us just because our president wants to act like a dictator does not mean that he has the power to be that unless we give it to him and so just stand up and just and just do this and and I can prove this because um, uh, Southwest Airlines, right they came out with this the the mandate and then Then every, then what? They canceled 800 flights in one day because of all of the, um, the pilots and stewardesses and stewards and whatever the case is. Uh, They all said we're not, we're not buying this. We're not. They said it was weather, but it wasn't weather. That was a lie. Um, It was all these pilots are like, then fly your own planes. That's what they said. And uh, so then, guess what they announced this week? We are not going to fire anybody. It is still mandated. You still have to do it, and if you don't, you're going to be in big trouble. <laughs> but we're not canceling, we're not firing anybody for this, guys. I believe this is the what you've just got to stand strong. If enough people stand up, I was saying this back when they were making everybody mask. If everybody that went into Walmart just said no, not masking, then they would say okay. The same thing. I, I've been flying a lot lately, and. And uh, it, it irritates me with the whole airplane thing. If everybody would just say not wearing a mask, not doing it. They, they can't kick everybody off. They may one flight, two flights, but eventually they're going to be like, you know what, we're going to rethink this thing. And if, if people would just stand up, um, I, believe that's the, I believe that's the biggest problem within the church, too, is that we're not standing up and being who God has told us to be. We're letting all kinds of other things determine and dictate who we are supposed to be. Not things that we're supposed to do or whatever. Sometimes that has... There, there are certain things in life that you have to do that, you're, that you didn't necessarily want to do. Okay? But but nobody except the Holy Spirit should be allowed to tell you who to be. And that's, that's crucial with this. Go with me to John chapter 3. With everything that's going on <clears throat> right now, I, I really believe China is about to... Um, uh, invade Taiwan. I believe they're about to take over Taiwan, and uh, they wouldn't have done it except that the leadership that we have now will let them, and they know this. Um, it's going to be very easy for them to do. Oh, we'll we'll, you know. I think we sent some some special forces to Taiwan and things like that. But we're, we're still playing games. We're it's a it's a verbal saber rattling. We're not doing anything. Um, the all of the stuff that we're seeing. Going on around the world right now, there's a lot of stuff that's happening with Iran, nuclear bomb. Um, you can't ever take North Korea, although they've been very quiet. North Korea's been very quiet. When when North Korea is not the loudest, crazy voice out there, we have big problems, right? Um, Putin meeting with um, Israel this week, I believe that he's trying to... I, I don't think... Israel doesn't trust him, so just so you know, they don't trust him. Um, it's interesting, every time somebody like Iran gets nuclear capabilities, all of a sudden something happens and their, nu- and their nuclear facility gets imploded or something like that. And everybody looks at Israel and they're like, we don't know what happened. <laughs> um, all of this kind of stuff. Guys, there's a lot of things going on. And, he- and here's what I want to help-, help us to focus on this morning with everything that is happening. See, if you go back into the Old Testament, there's this covenant that God gives. We see the Abrahamic covenant. We see the Mosaic covenant. We see all these covenants that God does, and they build on each other as they move along. And it's interesting that the covenants uh, between God and the the, uh, Hebrew people, that they include a little bit more. When we think about a covenant, we think about one part of the picture, and the picture's actually much bigger than this. Um, We think about a covenant between the people and God, but in in the Old Testament, the covenant was between um, God and the people and the land, and this was important, and the law was a third part of that. The people, the land, and the law were all part of the covenant together. Now, now what does that matter to us? Because we don't really have that. In, in, in Western Christianity, we don't have this um, covenant that includes the law and the land. We do see the Bible as very important to us. Um, it is our book, it is the, where, all, where all truth is. Um, and that, that, you know, even like scripture says, you can have personal revelation, but personal revelation doesn't go against the word of God, doesn't override, all these kind of things, right? Bible is important. And in America, although not all Western countries are this way, but in America we have a very, our, our history, our past, although we're losing it, is very patriotic. Okay, I'm a very patriotic person. I believe strongly in our country, in America. And I believe that America isn't just a, a country that was built upon the word. I believe that God supernaturally ordained America to exist for the specific purpose Of of, uh, Christianity going around the rest of the world, and and with that, I'm very patriotic. I I believe strongly in our country, uh, these kind of things. But at the same time, we don't have that's not specifically scripturally ingrained within our Christianity. Although I believe it is more not not the land of America, um, but the mentality that 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 God does with Scripture about the land and the, and the Hebrew people being united, I want to try to walk us through this this morning a little bit to show you something I think is pretty big that really can bring a confidence and a peace into our walk with the Lord on a, on a lot of different levels that maybe there's some disconnect. When we look at everything that's going on in our country today, it can cause you a lot of concern. There can be some uncertainty about the future. There can be some fear that comes along with this uh, about our future. Many, many of you right here right now, you have deadlines in your workplace that says, if you don't, if, if you don't get the vaccine by this date, you're going to be fired from your job. Now, I, I personally believe, and, I, and we're already seeing the lawsuits and everything happening. In fact, I think it was Montana this last week, uh, made a, a, a law that, that um, no federal mandates can be um, um, uh, made to happen in their, in their state. It can't be policed in their state. And to the point where now they are allowed to sue the federal government. The state is encouraging them to sue the federal government over the mandates. Well, that's... Okay, so the walls are crumbling. Okay, The walls are coming, and I think we just stay in there and and support the people that are doing this kind of stuff, support the people that are fighting. It can happen, but at the same time, that's a slow process, and and some of you are looking at at, uh, job-ending potential quick process. And so when you look at these kind of things, there can be, okay, God, what's going on, all right? John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that... Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we know this. This is the football scripture, right, in the end zone. This is a, this is a famous scripture. This is important. We are, and, we, and what we do is, and this is not incorrect, okay, but I think it's minim, minimizing bigger truth, all right, is we translate this either overtly or we translate this in our mind as saying, for God so loves me, God loves me that he sends Jesus to die on the cross for me. Or we broaden it out and we say God loves people so much that, um, that <clears throat> he sends Jesus to die on the cross for the people. And while that's true, that's actually only part of the subject of this. Let, let me explain this. There's four words in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there's four words um, in Hebrew and Greek that get translated into one word, world. Okay. The word world is used all through scripture to mean four different things, right? The more natural ones that you would know would be one of them is the planet that we stand on, terra firma. That, that means earth, planet, okay? And uh, obviously this scripture is not talking about God loved the planet so much that, that, um, that he sent Jesus to die. So, so there's more. Uh, another one means people that it's world means people, that it's collection of people, right? But that word is not used here in John 3, 16. It could have been. The reason that it is not, I think, is important. The fact that it could have been and it's not used, I think, is crucial to us understanding what God is really trying to say in this scripture. It could have said, for God so loved people, but that's not what it says. A third word means like um, uh, society, uh, collection of people, but like connected to the earth kind of thing. That word is also not used. Okay, that one's used the very least in Scripture, only a few times. But there's a fourth way to translate the word world, and it's actually used quite a few times in Scripture. And this, if you want to do this, you can, quit, you can easily do this in your computer. Um, just Google that. Just Google biblical word cosmos, and it'll bring up what it, all these different sentences. The word cosmos is the word that is used right here in John three sixteen. For God so loved the cosmos. Now you say, why does that matter? Is that important? I think it's very important because the basic definition of cosmos means uh, an ordered system, an orderly system that is a system that has been ordered and designed. Okay, now, which is interesting because that's the name that is used for the cosmos. Right, That's what we call space, the cosmos. And I love the fact that, that you'll see this on, on, on History Channel stuff about um, space and evolution and, and all these other things, and they are using a word that means it was designed and ordered and put there specifically by a designer. That's what the word means. And they don't, they don't put that together. Now, when you use this in the context of Scripture, the word cosmos means God's perfect ordered design. That God ordered this and designed this and he created this. Now, let's read it again. For for this is how God loved his perfect ordered system or creation. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So does God love us as human beings? Yes, I'm not diminishing that. I'm not taking that away. To me, it's actually bigger. It adds to it. That God loved everything that He created and then He put us at the center of this. That God loved that so much that He wants to redeem it back, that He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that His blood could save us, redeem us, and bring us back into relationship with God. In the process of bringing us back into that relationship, He starts the process of redeeming everything, including the planet. Now, this is this is there's a lot of things going on with the planets that I've 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 spoken about this before. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. But little things like if you don't worship God, even the rocks will cry out. I don't think that is purely metaphor. I believe that there is something going on there that is bigger than, than we can understand. And part of the reason is because we're not in the garden anymore. We don't understand what creation was designed to be in the first place. Okay, we understand what it looks like after it's been broken. Sin broke the earth. But God creates all this stuff, and he puts us at the center of it. The scripture that says all creation, that doesn't mean people. It could include people. But all creation is groaning, waiting for the Lord to redeem it. All creation is groaning. There's a lot more to this subject than just Jesus loves people so much that he died on the cross so that people could be saved. In a Jewish context, that doesn't make sense. Because in the Jewish context, the people, the land, and the, and, and the law are all part of the covenant together. They're not separated. And I think there's actually more of that for us to know and uncover and to realize that we haven't been realizing and, and can give us some confidence in some bigger picture stuff. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. I, I say this regularly, guys, but we got to get this. I think this is crucial to understanding other things about God. We are not part of the animal kingdom. God created animals, and then he created humans, and he created humans differently than he created the animals. He did not breathe his spirit into the animals. He breathes his spirit into humanity, and so he creates us in his image. He didn't create the animals in his image. He created us in his image. That means it's more than than uh, appearance, because uh, monkeys and apes and things like that kind of look enough like people that if it was a physical image, then they would have been accounted for there. But. God didn't create us just in a physical appearance of image. That includes mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all these other things. God creates us in his image. Then then God blessed them. Oh, and also it says, God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I don't want to just pass that by because uh, there is only two. There is male. There is female. All right? I I know that this, this... we're all going, yes, we know this. This is just stupid that society is trying to redo all this. Guys, there's only male and female, and we all get it. We all know it. We just want to not. We There are groups out there that want to be um, noticed. There are people out there that want to have this as a, oh, look, I'm binary neutral. I'm purple minus orange. I don't. I don't know what it is. But... that's just, it's just a joke. It's a scam that Satan has played on people. And I believe there's probably a few people out there that are so caught up in what Satan is trying to manipulate them with that they really believe it. But most people don't believe it. We know we're either male or female, right? And he says, then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. See, I think that's an important sentence because I think the garden was not just a little space. There's, I've seen bunches of things in, in books and, and, um, and uh, you know, like History Channel stuff and all this. Where was the Garden of Eden? And, the, and they try to make it in, the, uh, in the, the, the Fertile Crescent, the Delta, beside Egypt kind of thing. And, and maybe, I'm not arguing that it was or wasn't. The fact that people, it was over in that area, it had to have been, Right. But here's the thing. I don't think that the, the Garden of Eden was a spot, uh, an area. I think the whole earth was the Garden of Eden. They were in one place, but then he says right here that fill the earth and govern it. Fill the entire earth. The garden was the entire earth. When Adam and Eve sinned and God kicked them out of the garden, he didn't kick them out of a place. He closed their eyes to the reality of what it used to be, and now they are part of the reality of the brokenness. He puts an angel in front of it with a flaming sword. If this was a place, somebody would have seen that angel by now. Right? Right? It's because we can't see it. The entire earth was the garden. They were supposed to fill the entire earth, and it was not supposed to be broken. It was not supposed to have sin involved. There was not supposed to be the death involved. All the different things that separated us from God and seeing God and knowing God, understanding all of that, the entire earth was included in that. The the earth was the garden, and we were supposed to govern the whole thing, multiply. reign over the fish, the birds, everything. Then God said, and this is also a thing, you know, we had to deal with this. A few years ago, I was sitting with the city council, um, uh, not the city council, the a group of people in the city that do building stuff, okay? There were so many, I don't know who they all were, but there was about 25 or 30 people there, I'm sitting with them, and, and uh, Dale, our builder, and the architect, and all these people, and... And they said something about the environmental impact and all these different things. And I listened to that for about 10 minutes. I literally understood nothing that they said during this environmental impact talking stuff. And, and they just used words. I don't even think they went together in sentences. They just used words. And, and at the end of it, as we we're leaving, I'm asking Dale and our architects, what were they talking about? And they said they were talking about the fact that anything we disturb, I've mentioned this before, we have to dig 2,000 feet through this field over here. We have to come back after it's done and replace all those weeds. I'm not making this up. It's going to cost us a lot of money. In fact, that's the part where we think we can do it as a church rather than pay somebody to do this. We're going to go scatter weeds in the field. (laughs) You think I'm joking. We have to make it look exactly like it does, including planting scrub grass. And they said the big thing is, and they, they were talking about some places that they had built before where they, they, uh, this occurred, they're digging along and they uncover a little nest of mice. They shut everything down, they check, they do a study to see what the impact on these mice are, to see how, if these mice, if they are, are endangered and all this stuff. And they, they had me scared to death when they finished this. And I told them, I said, it's simple, if you uncover something, you tell me and nobody else. I will take care of whatever it is. (laughs) Even if it's a den of spiders, I'll take care of it. Because it will cost us tens of thousands of dollars. I'm not kidding about this. Because why? We'll protect a little mouse, and the same people that are protecting the little mices are the same ones that are killing babies by the millions. Because we are so twisted so perverted and so goofy in our thinking that we really think that is the right way to look at life. As it's it's messed up. God told us that we are to be ruling over the animals. God told us this. Have you ever just wondered why animals taste good? You think that was an accident? Think about what I'm saying. Not Like, like not octopus. I've had that. It's not, that's how I judge, you know, whether it should be edible or not. Like Brussels sprouts. God didn't intend us to eat those. <laughs> but have you ever thought about this? I know this sounds like, what is he talking about? The fact that the animals actually taste good and then are nourishing to us. You think that's accident? Okay. He says, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth, all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, birds in the sky, small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened. Now, verse 31, this is important. Then God looked over all that he had made, and he said that it was very good. This is not the same thing that he says through the other days. Do you see this? Every other time he says, and God said that it was good. God said it was good. And then finally he finishes this thing, this creation, which includes other planets out there and, and stars and all kinds of stuff. I, I've been watching the new Star Trek Picard on TV. There's a lot of planets out there, guys, I, I didn't know about. <laughs> there's a lot. You should Expand your mind. But, you know, there's a lot of things out there. Do you realize that God created those? See, this is a glimpse. This should catch us sometimes if we really think about it. God created all that stuff. If he created all of this and put us at the center of it, then apparently we're supposed to be experiencing that stuff someday. Not right now. There's things that we don't have a clue about right now. And even in the last hundred years, we are experiencing things that they didn't experience for all of creation up until now. And God shows us new things and does new stuff for us. And we say, oh, wow. And then there's already stuff that's been made out there that have been there as long as the earth has existed. And, and God is just waiting for us to get to the point where we can experience it. We were supposed to multiply and, and, and govern the earth, uh, multiply and make, be fruitful and cover the earth and govern the earth. We were supposed to do that from the very beginning, but we sinned and we messed it up. So again, Genesis 3 to Revelation-ish is the story of how we're putting it back together, how Jesus puts it back together. But then we get glimpses through Scripture in the end. But this is what God had intended. When God made us, He made us to govern the whole entire thing, and He made us to marry Jesus Christ, and He made us to rule and reign with Him. He made all of that for us. He created all of this, and He said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then when He gets it all finished... He makes humans, and he puts us right in the middle of it, and he says, now, it's very good. This is how I designed it to be. You are the center of God's creation. We don't see that enough. It's not ingrained within our American Christianity, but you are the center of this thing. God designed you to be on this earth, and he designed you to do things and to be things in him. He's designed you to serve him and to be able to be who he's created you to be. And, and I would say most, if not every one of us, because of the goofiness that sin brings into humanity, I don't think that really anybody ever reaches the, 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 the fullness of that. Um, I think we can get close at different times. But I don't think we reach the fullness of it, and I don't think we will. That's why we have something that's called progressive sanctification. We don't believe that it's all done until we get to eternity with the Lord. And then when we step into that, here's another thing to think about, is then we step into the, the perfected bodies, we, stepped into, we step into the way that God designed us to be, but then we spend the rest of eternity doing and being who that is, ruling and reigning with him, experiencing God more every single day, all this other stuff. The earth is just, our time on the earth right now is just a, a, a big mess-up pause that we're trying to figure out and and serve God and do all this kind of stuff, and we do get to, to be filled with his presence and filled with his power and his spirit and all these other things, but they're still minute compared to the grandeur of who God is. And what you're doing is small in comparison to how he had designed you before the fall. Because scripture says he knew you before the foundations of the earth. Think about that. He's got an amazing plan for us. We have to see it a little bit bigger. And what happens is we get caught up in all of the temporary stuff, right? We get caught up in, in life and, and politics and all of the things. And, and my thing is, I, instead of just getting caught up in them multi, emotionally, mentally, that kind of thing, I think we're supposed to engage and change them. I think we're supposed to get involved and do stuff. You don't like the way your HOA is working? Get, in, get on the HOA. Get on the board and then become the president. Right? I, I, the very first, we, we had, Lynn and I bought our house. Oh, there's the one, same one we're living in. The very first week we were there, we get a letter, which means they mailed it like the day we bought the house. Okay? We get a letter that says you have a weed in your front yard. We'd like you to remove that. And I'm like, have you seen my neighbor's yard? I don't even know who they are yet, but they don't take care of it. And that just kind of, it was kind of a little power play, you know, somebody just kind of being a little, I don't even know who it was, just being a little bit of a bully to make sure you knew we were going to hammer you if you have a weed in your yard. I'm like, I haven't even been in my yard yet. If those kind of things irritate you, become the president of the HOA. And then you can send out letters saying we're praying over everybody in our community. It's not against the law to say that. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can be the change agents. Get involved. There's a lady came to our house yesterday that's running for school board in our district. And um, my son had already told me about it. He'd been to his house and he said, this is, she's legit all this stuff. And so I'd already done some studying. She's exactly what I feel like I need for a school board member in my community. I was sitting in the living room. Linda answered the door and I heard her say her name and I hollered out, we're voting for you. Because of the, the conservative Christian values that she has. Be a change agent. Don't just be. You're supposed to govern this earth. Not go with it. Govern it. Wherever you see things that need to change, change them. Don't gripe about them. Just change them. Get in there and do something with it. Let me show you this in, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. This is just a little bit of the story. Read the rest of the story. It's, it's great. The whole story is really cool, but I just want to focus on something to show us something, okay? First Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ab- Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. I think <coughs> I think there should be more sentences in our life that sound like this. As surely as the Lord lives, the God I serve, and then you say what comes next. Some of you guys that are, are doing religious exemptions, that's what you're saying, right? That I serve God, and this is why I'm giving—I'm requesting this exemption. <clears throat> so so he says, uh, it's not going to rain for the next few years until I tell you. Now you know the end of this story is when They're up on Mount Carmel, and and, um, they build the altar. Elijah, the prophets of Baal come, try to get their altar to light up. Nothing happens. Elijah calls uh, praise, and God lights up his altar, right? Pours water on it, still lights it up, all that stuff. Then he kills all the prophets of Baal. Okay, this is the beginning of that story. All right. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. Now, I've mentioned this before. This is important. Ravens are scavengers. They don't kill animals and eat them. They eat animals after they have died. So they eat rotten meat, right? Putrid meat. Okay. For I have commanded them to bring you food. If I'm Elijah, I'm like, what? Who's bringing me food? Um, Is he going to bring my dead squirrel? What's going on? Because that's that's what ravens eat. Now I don't think that's what Elijah was eating. That's this is part of the miracle of the story. Okay, why why do I think that? Look, he says so. Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kareth Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat. So where is he getting the bread? Where are these birds getting the bread from? Well, maybe there's somebody that lives nearby and left a loaf of bread out, except that it says that each morning and evening, bread in the morning, meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, these ravens are bringing, where are they getting, if the person left some bread out, after a while, they're going to stop doing that. See, this is part of the miracle. Guys, we've got to, we've got to get this in our spirit. God provided Elijah food, bread and meat. Who's making The bread. Apparently, God. Or he taught the birds, which is still pretty cool. (laughs) But God's baking the bread. Wouldn't you like to have tasted it? What does bread taste like from God? Well, we do know a little bit because he made it for the Israelites, right? I mean, he said that was like honey and coriander seed, which I would be in favor of. But God did that for them. God does this for Elijah. He has the birds bring him food. No matter what happens in our life, God is still bigger than anything. He's still bigger than our jobs, He's bigger than our government, He's bigger than society, He's bigger than finances, He's bigger than anything, and He will provide for you. He says that He that scripture tells us He has never will never allow His children to beg for bread. You say, Well, isn't there places around the world where that's happening? Guys, I've been all over the planet and I've seen places where the Christian community seems to have stuff. Even in places like China, the Christian community has stuff that other people don't have and they can't explain why. We see this. We've got some missionaries in Africa. We just talked to them last week, Lynn and I did on Zoom. And um, they, have, they have told us four different examples of times when they had bought enough food. They were going to be doing a, a feeding in a, in a village or something. They bought enough food to feed 50 kids that were going to be coming to this, and that's what they had planned for, 50 kids. And they end up feeding 250 kids and 100 adults. And every time they dip into the pot, more food came out. Dip into the pot, more And they couldn't explain how there was still food in there long after the amount of food had had expired. And they say that has happened to us four times that we know for sure. Where they bought, one of them in particular, they bought... um, pieces of bread. So it's not like the bread was broken in two or anything. They gave everybody a piece of bread and they bought enough bread for about 40 people. And they ended up giving over 200 pieces of bread out, but they'd only bought 40 pieces of bread. You say, well, does that stuff really happen? I know that it happens. It happened in scripture. Why can't it happen now? The reason that we think it can't is because we think somehow God has changed. Somehow that's not who God is anymore. Well, he may not be that so much in America because we don't need there to be a supernatural provision of a piece of bread. But in other countries, they need that stuff. There are amazing healings all over the world that happen all the time. We don't see them a whole lot. We do see them, but we don't see them a whole lot in America. Why? Because we're not needing it. There's not a necessity. We're not even asking for it most of the time. And even when we do ask for it, we don't really believe it's going to happen. Guys, <clears throat> there has to be a point where we say, God is the provider of everything. This this raven is bringing Elijah bread and meat, and then he's drinking from the brook. Now, here's a very interesting thing. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land, and so Elijah got up and he went somewhere else. Now, couldn't God have provided that brook to continue to brookify couldn't he have? Think about this. Two different times we see where God brings water out of a rock. That's, how do you explain that? And I've had people say, well, you know, that was probably, um, you know, a cliff face. And uh, they hit the cliff face and it broke up and there was water in there and it ran out from there. And it was really already in there. It doesn't say a cliff face. It says a rock. A rock became A fountain. God could have kept this brook. So why, so why all of a sudden the brook dries up? God's providing food from a bird and the brook dries up. God's still in charge of all of it. So God has a plan for that part. God, in the rest of that story, is he goes to the widow's house. The, son, the, the widow's son eventually gets raised from the dead. I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a big thing. God is doing this stuff. Guys, I, I just know, I've seen it in my own life. Many of you have seen it in your lives if you just trust and believe that God is in charge of everything, it's amazing what he can actually do. He's wanting to do it all the time. But we're, we're so, we don't even ask him most of the time. We don't even ask him. I thought about that however long, almost a year ago when I had COVID. I had COVID for like five days before it dawned on me, I should be praying about this. I, I don't know why. I don't know why that took me so long. I mean, I stand up here and say stuff you would think I would have thought about that day one, the way I talk and preach, right? But I was, I was almost dead before I thought, you know, God could probably take care of this. You know, and then you have this epiphany. Well, maybe yeah, I guess he could. Well, I don't know. Does he want to? I don't know. Could he? Because we've, we've got to convince ourselves deep in our mind, deep in our spirit, deep in our life. We have to convince ourselves. God is who He says He is, and He's still doing stuff that He has done before. That He is still the provider. That He can do anything. If 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 it gets to a point in your life where you need water to come out of a rock, I believe God can still do that and will still do that. Say, really, I really do believe that. We just it, we just gotta we just have to trust God. Now let's go to Matthew chapter six because. I'm, I'm, take, I'm just going to take a couple verses out and then we're going to pray. But there's a whole section here I would like you to go and read out of Matthew. Just read the entire chapter, specifically the second half, but read the entire chapter of Matthew chapter 6. Because he, he breaks down a bunch of stuff and he describes a bunch of stuff. And, and I'm coming in after he's described the stuff, right? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things. These things are what you're going to go read about to this evening. So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And look at this sentence. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Guys, that's, that's, that's very convicting. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. God will provide for you. He's going to. He already is. You just, you just don't realize. You don't see it sometimes. The fact that you have the ability to have the job that you have that not everybody could have that job you say yeah well I've worked hard and I you know I went to school and it is okay but even the ability to work hard or the ability to go to school not everybody has those abilities you, you should be you should be very um, aware that the fact that you can do certain things God has made it possible for you to do that This God owns everything Scripture says that God owns the, the, a thousand hills and all the cows on a thousand hills. That's my way of saying it. But, but God is the one that's in charge of it all. As at some point we have to say, okay, then why is this messing with me so much? Why do my thoughts seem to be the thoughts of an unbeliever? Why am I stressing over this stuff? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. He knows now what your needs are. Right now, he knows what's coming up six months from now. He knows a year from now. And here's the thing, you may be stressing about it, he's not and he actually knows. You're stressing and you don't actually know. Think about that. He knows all this stuff. He says, so seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Why don't you stand with me? So let me ask these three questions, and then we'll pray about this. The uh, first question, if God created everything, ask yourself that, if God created everything. Second question, if God created us and put us in the middle, if God loves us unconditionally and completely, in other words, it was all designed for us. So if God created everything, created us, put us in the middle, God loves us unconditionally, why would we ever be afraid or worried about anything? Why? Why? Somewhere we're we're forgetting that. Somewhere we're missing that. Somewhere we're, we're 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 thinking something else. Maybe we're not believing those things as much as we want to or think we do. If if I truly know down within my spirit, God is in charge of everything. Then why would I be worried about it? Don't you bow your heads with me, Lord? We we submit ourselves to you right now, Jesus. You're everything. God, you're the everything, and sometimes I struggle seeing that. Sometimes I see only a little bit. You're the God over all of creation. Lord, sometimes I struggle seeing you be God over my little part of creation. So, Lord, I ask you to open my mind and my spirit. Let may see you. Let me see your provision. Let me see your your commitment to to me, your covenant. Let me see that your righteousness extends beyond what I can imagine, that your love for me is complete. That God, you're not going to just turn around and abandon us. Even if our country abandons you, you're not going to abandon us, us to see that and to know it that our job is not the source of our provision you are God help us to stand confident in you completely in you Jesus Lord people that are worried or nervous or intimidated Lord just pull them in close I believe if we get close to you that fear goes away That intimidation goes away. The closer we get to you, Lord, pull us in close. In the name of Jesus, let us hear you. Let us hear your heart beating. Let us hear your voice. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes to see the reality of how big you are. Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. I want to ask this question. And this is mostly just for me to be praying for you. You say, I'm really, I'm really struggling with this right now. I feel, I feel this fear creeping up on me or this, this um, unknown or insecurity or whatever. I feel like it's right there. I don't want it to be in charge. Um, I'd like you to raise your hand real quickly. Yeah, quite quite a few of us. Guys, this is this is normal. This is normal human. What we're supposed to be is a peculiar people. So we have to fight against that normal human. That normal feeling, that that creep that happens. God, we, we pray against it right now. I pray against fear. God, help us not to be obsessing about what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, where we're going to live, what job we're going to have. Lord, help us just to abandon ourselves in you. That we're serving the king of everything. We're serving the king of everything. God, you're the one that's in charge. give us a confidence that everything you created has a purpose, a place, a point. And then you put us right in the middle because you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage you with this this week. <clears throat> Every time you, you feel like that is happening, you feel like that, that uh, creep is happening, Just just stop and and pray about it. Just stop and, God, you created everything. The cosmos is yours. The planet is yours. The ground I'm walking on is yours. Start naming things that he is in charge of, including you. It's amazing how quick the Holy Spirit will turn that around inside you. God, you're the everything. You created this. I'm breathing air you made, God. Trust God that he's in charge. Anytime that creeps upon you, pray about that. Stop right then and just pray about it and let God be in charge. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Tell somebody about Jesus because he truly is the only way to God the Father. And God will honor that in your life. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them how glad you are that they're here. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great afternoon.